Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, uh, updated. They updated it, apparently. Um, John 17, verses 20 through 26. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this time of worship. I thank you for being able to be in your house this morning. I thank you, Lord, for just the joy of knowing Jesus as our Savior and our friend. Lord, on this day as we uh, hear this word proclaimed, I simply ask that you will speak to our hearts what we need to hear this morning and that we will receive it, O oh Lord, with open hearts. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, so many times we approach Scripture in search for guidance as to what to do and what not to do, right? The do's and the don'ts. And a lot of times when we read Scripture, we kind of read it through that lens. Okay, let me make the list of the things that I should be doing and the list that I should not be doing. And the reason we like to do that is because we all like to check off lists. There's something satisfying about going, check, you know, check, I did it. I didn't do that one and I wasn't supposed to, check, you know, we love doing that. We love being able to track our progress, you know, it's, we feel accomplished when we're able to look at the list and say, yep, yeah, I did that, yep, yeah, I did that. But whenever we do that with Scripture, we often miss the bigger picture of what God is trying to show us in that text. This always reminds me of the rich young man who came to Jesus asking what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. You remember that exchange? He comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, you know the law, you know the commandments, just go follow them and... and, and and you'll be fine. And, and the rich young man says, oh, I've done that. Check, check, check. I've done all of that since my youth. And Jesus turns to him and says, you like, you like just one thing. And you know, we don't like that. We don't like when we've done the list, and then they tell us there's more to the list than we thought there was. 
We don't like that. He says, go sell what you have and, and give, give what you have to the poor and then come and follow me. And you know the story, the rich young man said, oh, I got too much stuff. I can't do that. And he walked away sad because he had so many possessions. Today's scripture is not about do's and don'ts. So I want you to come to this scripture, moving that out of the way. I want you to remove that even from your thought right now. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about making a list of things to do or follow. It's not about checking things off a list. Because our scripture today is Jesus praying for us. It's his prayer before God the Father for his disciples and all of those who would believe in him through their words. Now, if you, if you read that, it's pretty clear that that means us. Because you weren't there when they crucified Jesus. You weren't there when he did all the miracles. You weren't there at the Sea of Galilee when he called his disciples. The reason you know about that is why. Because of the word of those who experienced it that are recorded in Scripture for us to know about it. And so when he says that he's praying for his disciples and all those who will believe because of their words, he's saying he's praying for you and he's praying for me. Because we have believed through their words that Jesus is the Messiah. It's almost daunting to think that the Son of God, who was God and is God, prays for little old me. I want you to think about how mind-blowing that is, that the Son of God, the one who took on flesh and became like one of us, prays for you and prays for me. That he thinks about us that much. You know, we are but a speck. <laughs> and probably not even that compared to God. And yet he has such an incredible love for us that he prays for us in our needs. And I want us to look at this prayer because Jesus prays for them to be one as he and the Father are one. He says, Father, I want them to be in a relationship with you as I am in a relationship with you of oneness, of agreement, of commonality. And like I was explaining to the kids, that's hard for us to understand because it's hard for us to wrap our heads around the fact that God wants us to be one with him, to be in unity with him to the nth degree, not to have some similarities with God, not to have a few things in common with God, but to really be with God fully and completely, heart, soul, and mind, intention, heart, body, spirit, soul, everything about us is supposed to connect with God in the most intimate way. And Jesus prays, I want them to experience the same unity that you and I have. But notice that the unity he prays for is not just for the sake of unity. He says, I pray that they might be one with you as I am with you so that the world may know that you, Father, have sent me. 
You know, we always hear that song. You probably heard it. Uh, it was very popular years ago. They will know we are Christians by our love. He was saying, I want them to be one with you, one with your love, one with your grace, one with you and I, so that the world will know me through you. God wants us to be one with him so that when people look at you, they don't see you anymore. They see Christ. They see his love. They see his grace. They see his mercy. They see everything that Jesus came to bring into the world. They see that you really love them in the name of Jesus. It is so that the world may know and believe that Jesus was sent by the Father, that there was a mission. In many ways, this makes perfect sense. Jesus is the Word made flesh that came to dwell among us, to be in communion with us at the same time that He was in perfect communion with the Father. And through this relationship, Jesus sought to bring us and reunite us again with the Father, to forgive our sins, to make the slate clean so that we could be in relationship with God the Father and be saved. But Jesus wasn't just some outstanding human being. He wasn't just a Mother Teresa or a Gandhi or, you know, just a moral person. Jesus was God in the flesh. And that belief is one of the things that really brings us together as Christians. You know, the scripture is not just about ecumenism and, and joining together with other Christian churches and doing things together. This scripture is about us being really the people of God where when we meet somebody else that knows Christ, we are immediately connected through our faith in Christ as one body in him. And we are able to share that love with others who don't know him yet. This kind of intimate and personal relationship that Jesus has with the Father is the kind of relationship that we as Christians should have with each other. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul says about the body? When one hurts, all hurt. When one rejoices, all rejoice. When one is in need, all should be there to supply that need. He basically says in the body of Christ, there is this mutuality, there is this connection that brings us together in the faith where we really are for each other and with each other. And this is how Jesus was throughout his whole ministry. I want you to think about everything that Jesus did. And every time he did a miracle, every time he did a prayer, every time he did a sign, every time he did a teaching, he always gave God the glory for what he was doing. He never looked to have the attention on him. He always pointed back to the Father and to the coming kingdom of God. He wanted people to know that God the Father had sent him and that he was here on a mission and that God had designed this plan to save humanity. Jesus prays for unity, but for the sake of the world knowing that he was sent by God. Then Jesus says in his prayer that he has been given glory from God. That God has given him glory. The glory that the Father has given him so that they can have unity. So that they can be together. So that they can be complete. 
and one before the world. And that the world might know not just that God has sent him, but that God has loved them. And you know, anytime we think about that, we immediately go to what? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that all those who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We all like to quote that verse, right? We love that verse. That's one of the favorite verses in Scripture. Everybody, almost everybody, even if they're not Christian, you can almost tell them, hey, do you know John 3.16? And they, they, can, they can tell you what it is. For God so loved. Jesus wanted his love to be in us to the point that people would know his love, that people would feel it, that people would experience it. And we don't really understand all of this, but he says that the glory that God has given him, he has given to us. And when we think of glory, we think of throne room, right? We think of, you know, the majesty of God. We think of bright, shiny glory, right? That's how we think of glory. We think of exaltation, I want to challenge your notion of glory for a moment. How did Jesus receive glory from God? He was glorified when he, in obedience, went to the cross to die for our sins. He was glorified when he put God first and the kingdom of God first before himself. He was glorified in the resurrection when God raised him back from the dead so that we could have hope of eternal life. The glory that Jesus offers is different than the glory that we think about. Who receives the glory nowadays? The one who won the pennant, they are glorified. <laughs> the one who won the fight, they get glorified. The one who excelled gets glorified. But the one glorified in Scripture is the one that left the glory of heaven to come be one of us in the flesh. The one who left it all behind in order to come and live a life like us to show us the love of God. When we think of glory, we think of winners and losers. We think of the glory of excelling the glory of being the best, the brightest, the strongest, the cutest. But what if the glory of God is actually the humbleness of putting ourselves as servant of all, of bringing ourselves low so that he may be exalted and so that his name might be known across the world? What if the glory he's describing is a glory that says that we are willing to even give our lives for the kingdom of God so that people might be saved? Jesus was humble even unto death. And he always gave God the credit no matter what happened. Who wants that glory? I mean, is that the glory you want or... Or are you just for the twinkly lights? 
Is that the glory you're willing to accept? Because it means that we live our lives differently. It means that we live our lives in service and humbleness before God, that we seek to always point people to Jesus, that we always seek to be serving others, that we always, not about ourselves, but about the good of the people that we are in contact with by introducing them to the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Do you want it? Because God desires that for us. Jesus prays that for us. He prays that we will have the same glory given to him. And he in fact says, you have it. You've been given the glory because Jesus got it and he gave it to each and every one of us. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about how Jesus was always asked about who sent him and by what authority he did things. It's a question that I shared with you because the reality is that there's still so many people out there asking the same question. There's so many people that are still saying today, so who is this Jesus and what difference does he make in my life? What difference does he make in my situation there's people right now asking, where is Jesus in this war, in the tumult around the world, in the situations and the atrocities, in the heartaches, in the death, in the grieving? Where is Jesus? And what does he have to do with me? Jesus is praying that we are the answer to those questions. He's praying that when people look at you, they're able to see that you are one with the Father and that you have the love of Christ for them. He says, God has made, I've made the name of God known to people and I will continue to do that. But God, Father God, grant my disciples, grant them my glory that they might continue to tell people about my love when I'm gone to return to you. Grant them the power to continue to witness. Grant them your spirit. Jesus is praying that we will continue to be his representatives in the world. You know, when you meet another believer, it doesn't matter where they're from, what background, what country, what language they speak. There's an instant connection. Because we know that they are brothers and sisters in Christ. We know that they belong to the family of God. Jesus was praying for this kind of unity that doesn't look at borders or, or our own divisions in this world, but that actually brings us together for the kingdom of God in what is essential to his glory, which is that the name of Jesus Christ will be known in every corner of this globe and that people will know that in him there is salvation and redemption of sins. Now, one of the challenges of this scripture for us is that we're used to glory being received through merit. You know, you do something to be glorified. You do something to receive glory. You do something to receive accolades and to have achievements. But the glory that Jesus prays for is a glory that is not earned. It is given through grace. As a gift. And we're just terrible at receiving God's gifts. Because we feel like we have to work for them. 
Otherwise, we feel like it shouldn't be that way, that we have to do something to earn it. And Jesus prays, no, that they will receive the glory that has been given as a gift of grace. For what purpose? So that the world will know that you sent me. You know, you can't represent Jesus if you go selling his grace and his glory because he gave it away for free. He wants us to be ambassadors of his grace and his glory. The sad news is the, the world still doesn't know Jesus, that there's still so many out there that still question if God ever sent Jesus or if he was just another outstanding human being like Mother Teresa or Gandhi or some other person like that that we think about. There are still people that don't understand the difference that Jesus makes in their lives. But today I don't want to ask you to commit to anything or do anything or add anything to your list of to-dos. Today I just want to ask you to receive the prayer that Jesus gives for you. That you receive the gift of glory, God's glory in your life. And that you receive his grace as the free gift that it is given. To know that he has given you glory beyond all measure. But that he has also gone to prepare a place for you so that you can experience the fullness of the glory of God. He says so that they can be where I am. You know where Jesus is? Right next to God. In the throne room that we sang about. He says, so that they can be where I am. Receive that prayer of encouragement today. Receive that grace. Receive that glory. And remember that being one with Christ means being one with his love, one with his grace, and one with his mercy for the world that is lost. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you I thank you, Lord, because you pray for us. You intercede for us, Jesus, before the Father. We thank you for this prayer, and we ask, O oh Lord, that you will open our hearts to receive it this morning, to receive that prayer and to know that you continue to pray and advocate for us before the Father. We ask, O oh Lord, that your glory will continue to be our glory, that your name will continue to be on our lips, that your love will continue to be in our hearts that people will know that we are your followers by the love that we show and the grace that we display. Help us, Lord. Help us to receive your prayer for us this day. In Jesus' name, amen.